Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. Another week here, Derek. How are you doing? Yes. Another week, another week of isolation. Yeah. I'm doing good. We're, we're getting better and better at homeschooling the kids. Well, Siobhan is. She's doing most of the homeschooling. I, I step in once in a while to help out, but 99% is her. So credit to her for becoming a, a teacher, I guess. She, she's just <laughs> correcting the stuff you've taught the kids wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the isolation is still going strong and, um, mm-hmm. uh, before we get into all of that, a uh, bit of sad news here, Hunter and Harris is closing. Yes. Um, I really enjoyed my paddle that I, I got from them a couple of years back and, uh, it's really, really nice handmade paddle. And unfortunately they've just come out the news that, uh, they're closing. Haven't uh, found out all the details why and whatnot, but I'm just wondering yeah. if maybe it's cause of, you know, um. Well, hard times right now. Nobody's putting the money out to buy stuff, and yeah, but you know, you, know, you can push through hard times. I guess I don't know. It's uh, but well, it's a shame. Like, yeah, the, small I'm little company, right? Yeah, I'm disappointed because I had uh, I had really I was planning on buying a pair of matching paddles this year. Like I had looked at it last year. I thought, oh, next year. Well, I should stop saying next year and just See? go a whole hog, right? Because I, yeah. I I really hope to get myself a. Uh, a matching paddle set similar to what you did, right? Mm-hmm. And I had been, we had been, me and Siobhan had been playing with designs and stuff and, you know, something in between, you know, like I, there's too many out there that everybody's already done, like half a tree on each paddle or half the Canadian flag on each paddle. Anyways, it's, uh, it's off the books now, but, but uh, there, there's a few options out there where I could still get a hold of one of their paddles. And uh, maybe uh, after I get one, I'll uh, tell everybody. <laughs> Because Good. there's only so many left, and I want to try and get my hands on one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you say that you're talking about maybe camping outside with your kids soon. Yes, yes. Uh, so we've been waiting, waiting really long, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact, for the weather to warm. And uh, there, there's still frost on the windows in the morning and so on. But <clears throat> yeah, we're going to. And we're going to kind of risk it and see what happens, but we're going to have a campfire. We're going to cook dinner and we're going to have a full on camping thing out in the backyard. And I've got a large pond or, you know, large for in, in a municipality <laughs> in my backyard. So it's uh, just big enough to float the canoe. There you and go. so, yeah. So I was thinking, uh, we're going to pretend to camp. Kids keep asking. They want to go, well, go camping. Yeah. Everything's like, we can't. Got to wait for that warm weather with them because, uh, lately it's just been weird weather. But mm-hmm. mind you, when I go on Facebook and I look up my old events and stuff like that, or what are the memories or whatever they call them, yeah, um, it'll come up sometimes and there'll be a picture from eight years ago where it was just absolutely like a foot of snow. So <laughs> this isn't real. And people, oh, I can't believe it's May already and this is happening. Well, it happens. I know. This, and yeah, it's, it's happened many times within the last decade. So I recall. <sighs> I recall it was like my second or third year here at OPG. So it would have been 2002, 2003. I'd say 2003. It was, it snowed a couple times in June that year and mm-hmm. it was cold until the end of June. Yeah. I remember being out in, on the prairies in Saskatchewan and we had snow in the middle of summer. Yeah. One year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the, yeah, that's the prairies, right? Yeah. It's just weird things happen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> There's weird things happening out there, but yeah, you wait for a bit of warmer weather. It's on its way. It won't be much longer and you get the kiddies out there and eh, take them out now. Let them freeze. (laughs) Teach them now. We are going to have a campfire though. 
So yeah. that should be interesting. But not in the see, tent in the see, middle of the night while everybody's trying no. to sleep. <laughs> no. But it should be interesting <laughs> to see if anybody calls the fire department. Hey, there's a fire. Yeah. <laughs> we have a big s'mores kit that we're looking at. We're actually, I was going to, uh, last week, I think it was last Sunday. Um, not Mother's Day Sunday that just passed, but uh, the one before that. And it was nice out. And I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to get the chimenea thingy out there. I got some wood left over from winter camping. I'm going to throw in there and maybe we'll do some s'mores. Nice little low fire, just enough to do some s'mores. And then the winds picked up. Our <laughs> yard is surrounded by trees. Oh. So I figured, yeah, f- flying sparks in the wind, probably yeah. not a good idea. No, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Neighbors might take offense to their tree burning down. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that, Phil, that is that tree supposed to be on fire like that? <laughs> what are you talking about, Myrtle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the religious couple next door thought the burning bush was in their backyard, but no, it was just me. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> uh, I was like, yeah, that should be good, man. Get the kids out back. We used to camp in the backyard when we were kids. Well, I grew up in New Brunswick and we would camp but my parents had like 310 acres of woodlot. Yeah. We had a mountain on one side. There's like three creeks and streams running through it. So this was like out in the middle of nowhere in New Brunswick. So we could do that. Me and my buddy used to build lean-tos and, and trudge off into the woods and sleep in a lean-to, right? Mm-hmm. It was uh, was not unusual at all. Your kids are meek and mild. I know, I know. Teach them. Yeah. Like, they go into the bush, man. Drop them <laughs> off the side of the road. See you guys tomorrow. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> Derek, where's the kids? Um, oh yeah. Did I not run this by you, honey? <laughs> That's going to go over well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I better go find them <laughs> before the pack of wild dogs yeah. get them. Times are different, eh? Like, yeah. just to think of all the stuff that you used to do as a kid, and and people would be horrified now. I can't believe you're doing that with your children. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> we used to ride bicycles without helmets. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> I remember in elementary school, I remember, I remember in elementary school, say I would have been 12 years old or something. I used to ride my bike to school and it's a 20 minute car ride. I would have to leave extra early so I could get there in time for school. And I'd ride my BMX bicycle to school and home. And it was like, took over an hour. Mm-hmm. Not and we're talking anymore. like uh, back roads, side roads, crossing highways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not anymore. Those were the good old days. I know. If it didn't kill you, <laughs> it at least maimed you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. If it didn't kill you, you hope it didn't kill your buddy because if it did, you're getting in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're stuck at home now. However... Parks are starting to open. Day use only yes. right now, right? There's the the uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. I was hoping to have John Van Berger on tonight. Unfortunately, he's not uh, feeling the greatest. I think there was like too much paddling in the hot sun and beers oh. or something and barbecue or something <laughs> afterwards. And awesome, you know. So so yeah, Serge, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Apparently, he's not feeling good today. But I I wanted to see because. Our parks are starting to open now. Like they say, day use only. Mm-hmm. Hiking and walking only. No water sports. Um, 
at the parks because like yes. we were talking there last week that if you have a place you can launch it not at a park you're able to mm-hmm. uh there's spo- there should be more opening soon um john's been out i wanted to sort of see get his take on it and yeah hopefully he'll be on next week um that he's uh what's he been seeing down their way like yes is everybody following the social distancing rules are places becoming overcrowded or are people just sort of going yeah you know what yeah no we're going we're going out and treating it like covid's done i'd be Mm -hmm. very interested to find out uh what what's going on like you know from the horse's mouth so to speak Yes. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So it's too bad he couldn't be on because, uh, like, like he's, uh, he has a little bit more experience than us about things reopening and, and, you know, what, uh, what he's dealing with and the type of people he's dealing with. And it's just, you know, it's a, it's a different world now. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I was just coming into work you, on any other year, on any other given year, if you were to walk down the hallway and when people see you coming, they, squish themselves against the far side of the uh, the other side of the hallway and creep past you it's like oh do i smell what's going on <laughs> no it's me. just everybody everybody does it now it's like yeah. you're walking down a hallway and people like everybody pressing themselves against the wall to get as far away as possible it's like <laughs> oh, I'm, i promise i'm not taking this personal no no it's okay <laughs> yeah so i'll get up in the morning i do this stuff i need because i'm work, still working from home right so i'll do everything i need to do take care of whatever is going on and then i will go out for a walk Right. Mm-hmm. So I'll, t- I'll take sort of like take my lunch early so that I can get out for a walk because other people I've noticed, there's a lot of people that take their walks at lunchtime and I don't want to okay. meet up with those people. Yeah. So, but if there's, if you are walking, there's people coming your way, they will walk down a driveway on the road <laughs> and then come up the next driveway after you pass. Yeah. Right. So that's how far people are keeping that that dis and that's mm-hmm. more than the recommended that's more than yes yeah, yeah, more than you know um but there's also times that i've seen if somebody's coming towards me and they're like you know half a kilometer away all of a sudden they're crossing the street yes yes i've seen that too you know and then they'll walk yeah. on that side of the street sort of thing so which you know if they're being safe but mm-hmm. i think there's uh, being excessively safe you yeah. are outdoors yeah. So I just run across the road and give him a big hug and say, thanks for crossing the road. So I didn't have to <laughs> give him a big old high five, slap on the ass yeah. and off I go. Yeah. So, <laughs> thanks man. You're the best. Woo. High five, <laughs> little kiss on the cheek. I'm out of there. <laughs> remind, remind me to tell you a story when we're not recording. <laughs> oh, I don't, don't want to say it here, but there's a good story that I need to relate to you. <laughs> uh, now everybody's going to want to know what it is. They all want to know. Yeah. Um, the, well, we'll say though, <laughs> just getting, a, it's not really something laughable, but it kind of is uh, from a, I told you so point is that one of those uh, big groups, the anti-isolation Oh, yes. Things. Yes. There's like 72 people with yes. COVID from those rallies, from one of those rallies. So they got together, they protested, you can't force us to close in, open the state, open the state. And then, you know, there was a, there was like a hundred or so people involved in the protest and, and like 71, 72 of them ended up with uh, COVID. COVID-19. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Now I, I, I've said it before is I'm thinking because they're, they're talking now, the provincial parks are open day use only, 
But yes, you know, days and only. Even, even my wife said, well, if they're going to be open, then maybe we can go for a hike this weekend. I'm thinking that if they don't have, I think everybody's going to be heading out. Uh, yeah. Not as many as, as you would think, but I think there's going to still be a large group heading out. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have proper security guards or staff at these places to say, no, no, you know what? Too many people here now mm-hmm. and turn people away. Um, it's going to be a problem. I think it's going to be a problem. And yeah. all of a sudden we're going to have these spikes again in in the, the corona and they're going to close it all down again. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and that's what you're going to see it come to is, uh, so I've, I've seen a few pictures on social media and, and in the news and it shows people on hiking trails and it's just wall to wall people. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, people, you like, like when, when me and Siobhan and the kids, when we go for our hikes, we look for a place. And if we see that there's a lot of cars parked or if we see a crowd of people, we just keep going until we yeah. find one that's not crowded. Right. So I'm not going to join a giant crowd of idiots. And so no. it's, uh, yeah, it, if once there's, once a place is overpopulated, you need to go find another one. Yeah, I, and I mean, that's been my prediction is that's what's going to happen and everything's going to be closed down again. Mm-hmm. But I also have gotten in the habit lately of staying away from um, as much of the internet and new <laughs> stuff and <laughs> that because there's so much crap out there now. You don't know if it's real. And like you say, I'm seeing pictures of all these people at the beach and I'm thinking... Where in Ontario is it that nice right now? Exactly. That, that, right. Those that's not a latest picture, you mm-hmm. know. So yeah, you get the trolls throwing all that stuff out there. Now. Yes, I just can't be bothered, and I'm I'm really trying to just do what I need to do and stay away from all that garbage yeah. right now. There is a lot of garbage out there, and you really you have to be smart about what you read and mm-hmm. and and uh, what you expose yourself to. For you know, there's a lot of misinformation. I know that Twitter has come down now, and so they're they're tagging a Twitter posts with a warning that this is debunked information. This is not valid information. Mm-hmm. So they're not necessarily pulling the tweets down, but if you're tweeting a story about some you know, conspiracy theory, uh, Twitter is going to put a label on it. Yeah. This is a conspiracy, debunked conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so right, everybody which is, knows, which is, yeah, which is good because is you can't uh, have stories out there that people read and start buying in on because there, once you start having uh, a mass amount of people believing the wrong stuff, it's not good to the public health. Yeah. It's, it, it, it goes counter to what smart people should be doing. And, and smart you, people should be out yeah. there this weekend. Yeah, you yeah. Hiking and walking only, doing their social distancing, and if you pull into a parking lot to one of these parks that are open or something like that. Yeah. And there's cars, a lot of cars, then just turn around and go home. Keep going, yeah. Find somewhere else. Find a different one. Yeah. So if now with all these limited openings what's good i guess right now is that they they aren't charging access fees which is nice mm-hmm. so you can go to these you know these hiking trails and and whatever and and parks and use them day use you know and but now you're not going to be charged for day use which is which is nice it's uh you know it's limited opening anyways yeah yeah and there's no and so <laughs> one thing that i saw somebody post today is like yeah 
So how long can you hold your bladder? If it's an hour drive to the hiking area, you can't stop to go pee. And you're at the hiking area for a couple hours and all the public washrooms are closed. And then you have to drive home and there's no... <laughs> mm-hmm. well, uh, it's, it's good for me because I can stand up and pee, but uh, it wouldn't be good for my wife or my daughter, right? We no, had, trust me, just uh, run into the bushes. <laughs> we had that conversation because I was going to drive up to my parents' place, which is like three hours away, to check on them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, once along that, the, the, the on-route stations apparently are open for the bathrooms. Oh, are they? Yes. Well, that's good. But once I leave, well, because the truckers hit that, right? Yes. Okay. But yeah. once I leave the 401, I've got an hour to my parents' house. And then I figure if I'm going that far, I'm going to get the other 40 minutes and drive to see my brother, stand outside his apartment building and yell at him. And then that's only like 10 minutes for my sister. So I'm going to stand at the end of her driveway and yell at her. Yeah. And then back down, you know, that's two hours back down to the highway. So that's like potentially five hours without a bathroom, mm-hmm. which is fine for me. That's Cause I'll not- just, I'll just whiz on my sister's yard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she may not be happy with it, but I don't care. It's my sister's yard. I don't care. <laughs> but yeah. So that's what you're saying. Like, I mean, even you're going for a drive just to get out of the city, you know, yeah. like stay in your car, pack it. And that was the thing is we'd pack, pack lunches. So we realistically, we would not have to leave our vehicle. Mm-hmm. But Except to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And therein <laughs> lies the issue. Mm-hmm. So just close every bathroom in the country and everybody will stay home. <laughs> yeah. If I'm elected prime minister, I will close every bathroom in the country, <laughs> make sure everybody stays home yeah. or but within, yeah, within peeing distance of home. <laughs> But then you have lots of public indecency charges of all the people who are peeing in ditches. Ah, whatever. <laughs> but it does pose a problem. It does. So anyway. Uh, do, 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 freeze dryers. Yes. Let's talk freeze dryers. I have been dehydrating my food forever. Yeah, me too. And it's yeah. at the point where I need to get onto my, this be my third dehydrator. Oh yeah. What are you doing to them? Using them. Lots. I use mine a lot too. My wife even uses it. So the two of us have it going. Like it's, it's on, it's running often. Uh, Siobhan makes, uh, 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 I don't even know what you call it. Like fruit roll up stuff. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Fruit well, jerky. Yeah, and all the stuff for the the beef jerky, the fruit roll ups, the, the yeah. fruit leather. Fruit leather, that's yeah. it. So she makes fruit leather quite often. A couple of times a month she makes fruit leather for the kids, right? Yeah. She has all her little she's she started with recipes, but now she's making her own recipes and so she uses it a lot. I use a mm-hmm. lot. I make jerky. I made bacon jerky there a couple of weeks ago and candied bacon jerky and so I've you know, it's it gets a lot of use, but yeah. uh yeah, and I also do the uh, the garlic powder and all that sort of stuff too, right? And I also <laughs> I, do the spices and stuff. I did, uh, what are the really hot peppers? Oh, the jalapenos. Not the jalapenos. Ghost? Ghost. I did some, I, I got a package peppers. of like ghost peppers and and uh, I uh, ground it up after I, <laughs> after I dehydrated them. I yep. ground it up in a coffee grinder. Yeah. Oh, it was nasty. Like Siobhan was upstairs 
and she says, what's going on? My mm-hmm. eyes are watering. It's like, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and for the whole house filled with it. It was in winter, so the furnace was going. Oh. So it was taking this this uh, ghost pepper dust yeah. or scent and taking it through the whole house. It's like, oops. <laughs> I got, um, I get those disposable gloves. I got a bunch of those in the bottom cupboard uh, for when I do chili peppers. Mm-hmm. So I put those on, I slice those chili peppers up, I put them in a the dehydrator. And again, when they're dehydrated, yeah, I got a, I got a coffee grinder I use. Just a little $10 jobby from Waldo Mart yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. It has and to be dedicated you to grind it up into this <laughs> nice, really fine powder, which apparently Tracy and, and Ariana love putting it on their food. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the fine powder when you're doing it, you're putting it in the container and sneezing your face off and yeah. you yeah. got to watch out because yeah, if you're looking down and the powder's rising, it's going right into your eyeball. Absolutely. Ask me how I know. <laughs> Ask me how I know. And then when you're wearing contacts later that evening. And oh go, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Go ahead and pull those out of your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> it burns. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, making your own spices and stuff, because you'll put some of that stuff, you know, make your own stuff and, uh, little concoctions and put them in a little, one of those little snack bags and stick that in your camping gear. So whenever you're out on the, in the back country, you just take out your spice bag with your personalized spice and add yeah. it to whatever, right? Um, they must do, you know, banana chips. They must do banana chips with freeze dryers. They'd have to, cause I have never, ever, I'm- ever, ever. Been able to get banana chips. No. Dehydrated. We, we've tried it multiple times. We've tried it with uh, like green bananas and mm-hmm. overripe bananas definitely don't work. It just mm-hmm. makes a soggy mess. Yeah. But even the un- underripe bananas, they don't work. Nope. It's just still soggy and gooey. So I tried plantains as well. Oh, did you? Yep. No. Yeah. So nope. bananas definitely don't work in a dehydrator. Not at all. Not at all. And mm-hmm. peas. Oh, peas, you tried peas suck in a dehydrator because you, you can, them? you can rehydrate them till the cows come home <laughs> and they're still crunchy. <laughs> yeah. There's just some things that just do not work and hamburger just tastes awful. Rehydrated. Yeah. I didn't yeah. like the, yeah, I didn't like the hamburger. We dehydrated hamburger. Just to, it didn't work out so well. There's there's a few yeah. things that are passes and fails. It's e- either like I'm not doing it right, or I need more practice, or what. But we've tried pretty much everything. I've and done we um, apples would work, but apples are, are hit and miss. They're just kind of yeah. soggy, and the kids don't like them. Yeah, I've I did a usually I find with meats you got to have a sauce with them. Yes. So I'll definitely. do like a goulash. There's a goulash recipe from uh, the cookbook of Fork in a Trail by Lorianne March. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've taken her, her goulash recipe and I've done that quite a few times and it yeah. really turns out well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to meat, I find if you're dehydrating. So I've been dehydrating forever and ever and ever. And the last couple of years I've noticed people are starting to get freeze dryers. I noticed that. Like I never thought that these things would be available. And first time I met a person who didn't use it commercially was uh, was uh, Gail from We Get Outside, Gail Booze. And so she, I remember we were at a show and she let us try freeze-dried ice cream. That so was it was a new like, symposium, yeah. Yeah. I was like, what is this miraculous thing you just gave me? <laughs> yeah, freeze-dryers. So, yeah. So yeah, and and it sort of came into my mind recently. I saw that uh, that uh, the Sontags, uh, the camping family, 
Yeah, the Camper family, they they have themselves a freeze dryer. I, I saw the video, I, it popped up today, or was it yesterday? Anyways, it's uh, so I thought they just got it, but you say they've had it for a while? Yeah, apparently they've had it for a while. Uh, oh. I, didn't, I didn't realize they had one, but yeah, they just put up a video of doing eggs. Yeah, scrambled eggs. Eggs. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering what the difference between freeze dryer and dehydrators are. So we did a little research. Yes. Freeze drying removes about 98% of the water, whereas dehydrating takes about 60% of the water. Mm -hmm. Freeze drying retains all the nutritional value where dehydrating loses about 50% of the nutritional value. Yeah. Freeze, so freeze drying does preserve it. Yeah. Freeze drying, when you rehydrate, it all comes back really fresh, same textures and everything apparently. When you dehydrate it, well, we all know when you rehydrate meat and veggies, it doesn't come back like it's just, you just <laughs> no. pulled it out of the fridge. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, I think freeze dry. So what's the difference? Freeze dried. Uh, I mean, dehydrating, you put it on a tray, the heat slowly evaporates all the water. Yes. Did it's like do. slow cooking. Yeah. Freezing. Uh, fresh or cooked foods are placed in the dryer where they are frozen to minus 40 degrees Fahrenheit or colder. Once the food is frozen, the freeze dryer creates a powerful vacuum around the food. Then as the food is slightly warmed, the ice transitions into vapor and evaporates. The freeze-dried food is then sealed in moisture and oxygen-proof packaging with an oxygen absorber to ensure freshness until opened. When water is added to the food, regains its original fresh flavor, aroma, and appearance. Now, freeze-drying food, that food in the bag is good, they say, 20 to 30 years. I guess if you yeah, do it right. Yeah, that's incredible. If you seal it properly. If yeah. You, so... Yeah, and uh, and I noticed on the video that uh, that uh, Marion had done, she had the sealable bags, but she also had those little oxygen scavenging little packets. You yep. know the the packets that say "Do not eat" type thing. Yeah, yeah. So she was throwing one of those into each package, and what it does is uh, once you seal it any oxygen or air that could contaminate or make the food go bad, even though it's freeze-dried, it takes all, it takes that oxygen out <clears throat> and you, it's like, you know, it's like nitrogen packing your food. It's gets rid of the oxygen and just, it's just basically a nitrogen atmosphere. Yes. Yeah, the oxygen so absorber. Yeah. So you, to have the food freeze-dried and then one of those little packets and then properly seal the thing, you could have food like stashed away if, <laughs> great for preppers right exactly for a zombie apocalypse and and uh we all know i like to talk about the zombie apocalypse it's uh but this is maybe one of those things that uh if i really want to kick it up a notch and uh get ready for the zombie apocalypse this is uh, a machine yeah <laughs> however i can pick up a new or the well the the nice dehydrate i was looking at was about 350 bucks mm -hmm. the <laughs> The freeze dryer I am now not looking at <laughs> is on sale for $3,700. No problem. Yeah, there's a bit of a difference. For for the casual or for the uh, infrequent 
user like for the most part i, I you know for my food a couple packs of uh of uh hiking meals from mec or whatever mm-hmm. it's you know it's like sure it's like oh my goodness it's i'm paying 12 dollars for this meal yeah well <laughs> $12 is a good price. You want to make it yourself and freeze dry it yourself? <laughs> that meal goes up exponentially higher. Well, this one but company... you have to use it a lot yeah. to make it, you know... This one company I'm looking at offers payment plans for a year. So it's only, <laughs> what, about $400 a month? <laughs> I'll take two at that price. Yeah, that's the biggie. So unless you can find a, a gently used one on Kijiji or something like yeah. that. Or it's hard you're to justify the cost. Yeah, and or or you're somebody that goes like constantly, and and you're using this thing constantly, like mm-hmm. like a lodge or you know um, an outfitter or something like that. that yes, like this exactly. would be right up their alley. Yeah. yeah, but for the normal person, unless you get like ten people to do it mm-hmm. together, then yeah, it's not really, uh, and it takes longer too. Exactly. It takes a really long time. I, when I watched the video uh, of Marion when she was doing the uh, uh, the scrambled eggs, she had it in the machine for 24 hours. Yeah. And so what it does is it drops the temperature to like minus 40 or whatever, and then it puts it under a, a deep vacuum. And then over the next 24 hours, it raises the temperature slightly and then drops the temperature again. So every time it starts to thaw out the food, it allows the, the moisture and humidity to become free in a vacuum. And then so that just kind of that pulsing cycle, it's like it's like the uh, dehumidifier that you hook up. It's like mm-hmm. it freezes, runs, and then thaws and drips and then freezes and runs and thaws and drips. So yeah. it's sort of, I guess, the what the what how I'm understanding it, right? But the key thing is uh, it's frozen and you have a vacuum pump on the chamber. Yeah, I don't think this is something I'm going to be looking at buying. <laughs> I think I'll go back to my dehydrant. Unless I can get a really good... And I, I'm looking at the one video here. The lady's doing this medium uh, dryer. And it's as big as a washing machine. <laughs> that thing's crazy, massive. Right? <laughs> it, I, I'm just looking. It's, it's got to be noisy. Like really well, noisy. Yes, uh, they were saying in the video. She said she, Marion says she keeps it in the basement because of the noise. Yeah, it it can't stay up in the in the normal areas of the house just because it the vacuum pump is super noisy. I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, either that or out in the garage or something. But yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, that thing's massive, <laughs> massive. Yeah, but you can do what? What that one say? Three hundred and twelve gallons of food a year. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's an unusual way to to measure food. Yeah, by the gallons. gallons. Of food. Yeah. Like, why are you measuring your food in gallons? I got teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and the uh, well, I saw I saw one on Kijiji for sale, seven grand. Yes, on sale. And there's seven. another one for fourteen grand. So those must be commercial grade. Oh, I gotta drives, think right? so. Yeah. Yeah. These are like serious machines that you know, like the guys at OTG Meals. Uh, like they're working at a at a high level, making meals that they sell commercially. Yeah. So they they would have one of these larger machines or multiples of these larger machines. Well, I'm not having one. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm thinking, what you need to do, or what I I'm thinking, make it yourself. So what you do is you get a. My, if I can get my chest freezer to seal properly. Mm-hmm. I can go to the dump and get some old vacuum pump, hook it up to a bicycle, and then I 
<laughs> I put the food in the freezer, hook up my little bicycle-driven vacuum pump to the side of the chest freezer, and pedal away next to it. It's like an exercise program and freeze dryer in one. For 24 hours, though? Absolutely. Get your exercise. Get your friends over. <laughs> So I would do it for, for a couple hours, then Siobhan would do it, and then I maybe hook, get a smaller bicycle for the for the vacuum pump for the kids. It's like, Dad, I'm tired. It's like, you've only been on there for two hours. You want to eat? You want to eat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Or you buy sure. a thousand hamsters <laughs> and get a wheel. Yes, yes exactly. Oh, the possibilities are endless. Yeah. <laughs> or you just throw the money out there and you buy one. <laughs> yeah. Well, we need to try and make one though. Mm-hmm. Like, like I saw, I saw a couple of stories on uh, homemade freeze dryers and like there's, there's an article in Popular Mechanics on it and there's different methods and of, of how to do it adequately and properly and, and the stages about the, the minor freeze thaw cycles. And so it's, uh, it's, there's a science to it. Or yeah. you can just spend two, two, three thousand dollars and have one that's ready to go. Yeah. So when I win the lottery, I'm going to be there buying you go. one. Yeah. I'll buy me one. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break here and we want to come back. We're going to talk about a bucket list, not my bucket yes. list, somebody else's bucket list. But a potential bucket list. A potential bucket list. Mm-hmm. Be right back. Hey, this is Sean Rowley and you're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. To find out more about us, check out our website, paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Current and past episodes of our podcast can be downloaded or streamed from iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our website. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line on Facebook or our website. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. Welcome back. So I was on Northern Ontario Travel page, northernontario.travel. It's not a .com or a .ca, it's a .travel. Uh, I was on their website and they have the ultimate paddler's bucket list, 10 things to do before you die. So, <laughs> Does it actually say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 10 things to do before you die. And as we know from previous episodes on some of the things we've talked about, you better do this list before you do them because you are going to die. <laughs> <laughs> so I just go through these 10. I'm thinking, well, how many of these 10 bucket list things have I done? And how many do I still have yet to do? So I figured let's go through these. You're ready for this one? Number yes, one. Fly in canoe adventure. Strap your canoe to a float plane. Get dropped off in the middle of the wilderness on a remote lake or river. Fishing, wildlife, stargazing, and the Aurora Borealis. Been there, done that. I have, and I want to do it again. I did it in uh, north of Sudbury into 
uh, what is it? What's the? What I think it's Scarecrow Lake. Scarecrow Lake, yeah. Yeah, right, where Ishpatina ridges. Yeah. So I flew into there, and it was it, it's amazing. For for one, it's a uh, instead of staging a car at the top, staging a car at the bottom, you spend your money, fly in, and then paddle to where you parked your car. It's a uh, it, it's a very unique experience. You've done it in Woodland Caribou. I did it in Woodland Caribou. I you now, flew in and flew out. We flew in and out. Yep. Yeah. I've been thinking of going, I don't know how well Tracy would do in tomogamy because she's very, has very big issues walking portages, um, regularly. She's slow on it because she's just not there. The confidence and confidence isn't there yet. So she's mm-hmm. watching her footing on every root and rock and, you know, I can do three trips to her one sort of thing and it's, oh God, you know. But I've been thinking finding a route that we could fly in somewhere and then paddle out. And I know there's routes in Tomogamy we could do that. Mm-hmm. And yes. I think she, I think she would just have a hoot doing that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So the fly-in canoe adventure, if you've not done it, it is cool because you show up, they throw all your gear onto the plane, a float plane. Then they strap your canoe onto it. And off you go. They take off, you know, you're, you're sitting there and you pick up the speed. And the next thing you know, you're, you're looking down because between looking at the, through the prop to where you're going and looking down at the water to see the, the, the water and everything coming off the floats. The next thing you know, you're off the water and you're up. And just that trip in to see like, look at all those lakes. We're going to be paddling in through these areas. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, and then you're you're doing the circle around a lake and then in you come and then all of a sudden doom, doom, you're on this lake and all of a sudden you're slowing down and in the middle of the lake, like we did, um, the pilot gets out, unstraps your canoe and then you, you guys get in and he starts passing you your gear and then you paddle away. He takes off and leaves you there. Yeah. That is yeah, it's cool. It's pretty wild. It's like some dude is abandoning you in the middle of a lake. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> he like, doesn't even put you on shore. It's like, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shore is that way. We'll see you in a couple of weeks or whatever. Um, yeah. And then as he's flying away and things get really quiet, you're like, well, this just got real. <laughs> you know, all, yes, the, yes. all the planning you've done and stuff like that. So, yeah, if you can do a fly-in canoe adventure, definitely do it. So yes. one item on the bucket list we've both done yes and and you know it's one thing i just one more thing i want to say about the flying canoe adventure is uh so it's there's a lot of activity building up to it right you you you're packing and packing and getting ready and loading the car and driving for hours and and then you're unloading and and figuring out where to park your car and carrying your gear down to a dock and loading onto the plane the plane's loud and it takes off it's just rumble rumble and caught this constant you're you're you don't even have a chance to be apprehensive or thinking forward of the trip it's just like move 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 and then he drops off into the middle of a lake he kicks you out of the plane throws you onto the lake and then he kind of ferries away from you and then he takes off and suddenly you're in ultimate quiet you're in the middle of nowhere that you didn't have to paddle to to get to it Mm -hmm. and suddenly you're it's like this almost like somebody threw a switch it was all this rush 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 and then all of a sudden gulp oh my goodness i'm here this is it i'm on the trip yeah. It's just, it's the, like, it's a, it's that throwing of a switch and you're there yeah. in the middle of nowhere. And then that ultimate quiet all of a sudden, right? It's uh it, it just kind of 
it's hard on the brain to catch up to. It's like everything was so rushed and we were trying to do all this stuff and throw gear in and pack gear and do this and do that. And suddenly it's like, oh, I guess we should start paddling. Yeah. <laughs> Where are our but paddles? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, they're on the plane. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you don't want to forget last minute forgetting stuff. You know, you're loading your canoe and it's like your car is just like, you know, 100 meters away. It's like, oh, what about this? What about that? You better have everything with you, mister, because you're in the middle of nowhere now. Once that plane leaves. <laughs> yeah. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and a logistics thing is uh, the those float planes depending on the model, but normally like with the beaver and stuff, it's one canoe per plane. Well, yeah, unless that's, you, that's unless you have um, one of those pack canoes or something. Yeah. So yeah, we if you're did strapping them on the outside, it's only one allowed. Yes, and so the trips that I've done by flying, it's uh, you, it was last couple times it was a group of four, so it's two trips. It's you yeah. and one guy. Then you you go in, he drops you off, and then you're waiting for however long for the pilot to go back, get the other group, fly in, drop them off. So it's uh, it's one of the logistics that you have to really think ahead about, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's it, it, it really it's the price of everything. It depends on the price of fuel at the time, and the distance, the time taken up by the pilot, and this, that, the other thing. So it's for me, it was uh, each flight was. So the last time we did a trip like this was I think four or five years ago. So the flight was eighteen fifty. So it was it was like you know nine hundred bucks or so each. So two flights at eighteen fifty, and so it's not cheap, wow. but it's. But see, I was looking at Lakeland Air Airways. Is it Lakeland Airways out of Tomogamy? Yeah. And the website says like six sixty for two people, one canoe on a plane. Yeah, we flew in from a. We flew in from an outfitter. We arranged with the outfitter to use his dock mm-hmm. ahead of time, or it was by the the pilot who recommended it. And uh, so it was just it was just this guy. He had his own company, he had one plane, and uh, so he's the guy that we went with. So it was uh, I didn't do the research, but one of the other guys in the group did the research. So I didn't really compare prices, right? Right. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was nine hundred bucks each or so. Wow. Nine twenty five. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, but that's the expensive part. Right? Now, where's your own canoes and everything? Our own canoes, yes. Yeah, yeah that's the expensive it part is the flight, flight in. Too. Yeah, yeah, it was a long flight because we, we flew in from the, we we were picked up at the bottom of the Sturgeon River pretty much. And it took, he took us up into, uh, into Scarecrow Lake. And so it was, I don't know how long we were in the air, but it, it was a long time for the novelty to wear off and then to start thinking, hmm. How long is this flight? <laughs> right. So it was. I think that's why it was so expensive because it was a long flight. It was a bit longer. Yeah. Maybe they've and got he, to have depending on how far you're going. Yeah, and he also had to fly in from wherever he was at, so he tacked on that cost to get to oh, where we were. Right. 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 Yeah. So yeah, he I wasn't based out of that lake. We would fly straight out of Tomogamy. Like yeah. The, the town. So, yeah, so you probably would have been a, a larger center of operations where they would be based out of, so there would be less expenses. The biggest yeah. expense is, is fuel, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. So yeah. it's a long flight in, it's that's what the cost ends up being, right? Yeah, so, but either way, if you get the chance to do it, do a fly-in oh, yes. canoe trip. 
Yeah, it's worth it. It was a lot of fun. It was yeah. amazing. And to be in a plane that they don't build anymore that's that old and and they're all the, like if if you're if you're a pilot and you this is your business, you maintain your equipment. Like the 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 Beaver that we were in was it was it was a really nice plane. Mm-hmm. It was what it was well maintained. It was, you know, the everything it was a really good plane. It was a really good condition. So Yeah. Cool. Uh second one, train in paddling adventures. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, which we've both done. Mm-hmm. So you throw your canoes, paddle gear into a box car, head up the tracks into the wild, getting dropped off along the side of the tracks, then watching the train rolls away and you're left standing there in silence, just like the plane, except it's a train. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Gather your gear, head to the water, start your paddling adventures. Uh, you can take, take a via train from Armstrong Station up to Wabakimi. You can take the Polar Bear Express from... Cochrane up to the Moose River Crossing or Moosonee. And that's what we did. We I did the uh, Cochrane to Moose River. Okay. Now, did you guys not go out of Armstrong Station? Uh, where did we go out of? We Did we go to Cochrane or we, we ended up at, uh, I can't even remember the lake, but it well, was. You, the, were, you guys um, were up Span- by Sudbury. Right? Yeah. yeah, on the Spanish S- River. Yeah, we went, yeah, we went up to the top of the Spanish River. Yeah, I'm just so not sure which train that was that you guys took. It was a Via train. Yeah, so it had to be out of Armstrong Station then, because that's yeah. where it, that's where it is over that way. So okay, uh, but that's pretty cool as well. And you know, getting to load your 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 plane and gear or your plane your your uh, canoe and all your gear onto the box car, and then you yeah. go sit, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get a nice view of of the well. In this the case of ours, it was the boreal forest there, heading up. Um, you cross over a few little bridges and, and stuff like that and stop at a couple other little spots. And then all of a sudden they come up and dude says, okay, you're, you're the next stop. And then you get out, they pass you all your gear off the box car and, uh, you know, you get over to the side there and they start up again, the train boogies off and you're just sitting there and it is dead silent again. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. So if, yeah, if you can do it, if, and it's a lot cheaper than a plane. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A lot cheaper. Yeah. It's so, $50 per, what we paid was $50 per canoe mm-hmm. and it was minimal per person for the, I think it was $50 per person, $50 per canoe, I'm guessing $46 per person. It wasn't expensive. It no, was super not cheap. not at all. Not at all. Yeah. It was super cheap and you got to sit there in a nice comfy seat and watch the trees go by and so it was, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, number three. Canoe and hiking adventures, which I think we've both done tons of these ones. Yes. Paddle into the backcountry, beach the canoes, hit some hiking trails. Killarney Provincial Park to Mogami both have areas where this is possible. Killarney has the crack and the silver peak. A silver crack. Not to, not to be confused with <laughs> Derek's silver crack. Yeah. Uh, Tomogamy has Ishpatina Ridge and Maple Mountain. You've done Ishpatina Ridge. Yes, so yeah. I've done I've done the Clarney. Uh, so you know, Philbert, me and uh, Mike Burns. So we uh, did uh, Clarney's, the Crack Silver Peak, and we canoed around Philip Edward Island. We did a loop in through like Bell Lake, uh, David Lake, and stuff inside Clarney. And so it was we did that. And then I've done you know the Ishpatina Ridge hike. I, yeah. I did. I climbed the tower to the top on at top of Ishpatina yeah. Ridge. That sucker's scary. It moves a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so that was, so yeah, I've done these, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, yeah. it's another thing well, you just plan for the logistics of it. And there's, there's a lot of, um, spots in Algonquin even where, 
we'll be we'll paddle in set up our base camp or whatever and you're out paddling for the day and there's various spots like um on crow lake you can take the little trail to go see the old virgin white pine yes um, there right? i've never done that i want to do that i yeah. see do that route there's a couple other spots i've been to where you there's a little beach you beat your canoe and there's trails through the bush that you can climb up and you end up at the top of these big cliffs looking down that sort of thing um there's a lot of spots like that but yeah you know you're you're paddling all day and then you get out and you hike for a few hours and then get back to the canoes and paddle some more those are Mm -hmm. pretty cool so uh yeah definitely done those ones again uh number four voyager canoe adventures Retrace the route of the Fur Voyageurs on guided adventure along North Shore of Lake Superior, the world's largest freshwater lake. Fur trade life comes alive at the incredible Fort William Historical Park. I've done, we've done, uh, my family and I have done a Voyager canoe tour thing, a little historical thing, but it was only like for a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Um, is that in Champlain Park? I don't think it was Champlain, yeah, but it was it was one of the parks north of what there's another park up there. Uh but yeah, we did that. You get in the canoe, this big Voyager canoe with a bunch of other people and you paddle and one of the uh park staff are there and they're talking about the area and the fur trade through the area and then the the uh, the the First Nations people that were in the area and all that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. Now, Tim McDonough does the Voyager Brigade every year out of the Kirk Whipper Voyager Center up near Timmins. Uh, We've talked with him a few times about that. If you want to know more about the Voyager Brigades that he does, uh, check out KirkWhipperVoyagerCenter.com and that's W-I-P-P-E-R, Whipper. Uh, And they talk, there's there's supposed to be one every year. They've been doing like 2017, 18, 19, 20, 21, and I think 22 is supposed to be the last one. But they're slowly tracing this, this route down, down, um, from up north and that. And this year, I think they're going to, no, I think next year they're in the French river, um, with the big Voyager canoes. Yeah. There's a, there's a brigade they do and they all, the majority of them will, they'll dress up and you can, you can pay for the ticket. You get on there and you're, you're camping and you're, um, paddling the whole meal deal. One of these big things. When we did the uh, Quiet Adventure Symposium, the people that were in the booth behind us, they was it the Lake Superior or something or other? What, what, uh... Oh, that was the uh, Quiet Adventure Symposium. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Joni McGuffin. Yeah, Joni McGuffin. Yeah. So they, they, now she talked to us about something similar where they were joining these native communities and putting docks in and doing some some uh, sort of a introductory uh native and uh, you know yeah, fur trade life stuff uh the canoes for conservation the project yeah. of the lake superior watershed conservatory yeah, yeah. same sort so of deal it's not necessarily a Vorger brigade but it's something yeah. similar but yeah there's yeah that's the same sort of thing that you can go uh-huh. up there and jump in the big canoes and they paddle around and they'll give you a, a history lesson of the whole area sort of thing yeah 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 so i've done that I have not done it, but I would like to. Oh, so it's four to three for me now. Don't worry, you'll <laughs> well, you'll catch I've up, been, buddy. 
<laughs> I've been in one, but it's not like anything fantastic. I didn't do a like a route or whatever. But it's just one of those things. You're you're out at some sort of event, and they go, anybody want to go for a paddle? And it's like it was years ago, and it was like you know a 15 minute paddle, and it was so there's nothing. So it's not really the full experience. Yeah. But I'd like to do something a bit more, a bit more. A longer you know, tour. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be cool. We we need to get in touch with Tim. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, number five, authentic indigenous adventures. I have never done this one, but it sounds cool. Discover Ontario's rich and diverse indigenous history and culture with a guided tour. Experience a deep connection to the land and water through their traditions, knowledge, and stories. I think Leanne Hennessy has done something like this. Um, there's different companies that'll offer tours and they're, they're indigenous people that'll take you out in, in canoes and they'll basically tell you this is the history from the indigenous people's history of the area and their Mm -hmm. culture and, you know, take you to pictographs and explain that sort of thing. And, um, that would be cool. Now I know that Manitoulin Island, there's a few places that do it up there. There is a paddling, hiking and cultural experience at Point Grandine, park now, which is next to Killarney. To I've been to that park. Yeah, it's a young park. They're 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 putting it up the last few years. Um we went paddling there. It's, it's a nice area and as it grows, I think it, I think it'll be really popular. That's for sure. Awesome. Uh but yeah, that sort of thing is pretty cool. Uh I definitely want to do that. Um I mean, yeah, you, you talk about the whole history of the canoe coming from the indigenous peoples and stuff, but to actually get a sort of uh, from the horse's mouth expl- explanation on the culture oh, and everything, yeah. that would be really cool. So that part would be neat. If, if yeah. it was like a, a cultural kind of tour, not just a paddling thing where, the, you know, they can, you know, just tell you about the history of the area and, you know, the trappers and fur traders and native indig- indigenous tribes and whatever. I think that would be super duper interesting. And, and I think it's everybody's, you know, it's, I think it's important for every Canadian to get out and learn the heritage of the people that came before us. Right. Exactly. So that'd be, that'd be cool. So that's one I haven't done on this list. So I got to add that to my bucket list. Mm-hmm. Number six, which we've both done, is family and youth paddling adventures. Get the whole family out of doors on a paddling trip into the backcountry. Most kids love it once they are out there. Do a guided mm-hmm. trip, stay at a lodge, or pack up the canoes and all the gear and head off for a family adventure of a paddling and camping. We've both done that. Yes, and I'm looking forward to when the kids are old enough to uh, start helping out more. <laughs> yes, like portaging and, and yeah, portaging, gear. cooking, putting out the tents, taking down the tents. Yeah, well, Dad, instead of staring at hammock. us or playing on the beach, it's yeah. like, okay, kids, I set the hammock up. Go lay in the hammock while I unpack the canoe, set up the tent, set up the kitchen area, set up this, set up that. <laughs> yeah, it'll so, be the day. No, well, I, I like I say that, but you know what? It's it is. There is a lot of uh, Stella. Go pick this up, Stella. Go grab that, Stella. I need more tent pegs. So yeah, she's more of a you know a you know a gopher type thing at this point. Oh yeah, and they will be, and they'll mm-hmm. continue to be that. Or you know, um, yeah, they'll lend a hand eventually setting it all up. Mine do all the time. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, number seven. Find your zen. Take your Zen to a new level. Instead of doing your yoga in a studio, paddle into the wilderness and experience the powerful energy of doing your practice on an ancient rocky shore. 
be inspired on a paddling photography trip. I've done so many paddling photography trips, it'll make you choke. Yeah, I don't think I'd do the yoga part, but I do like the the paddling photography trips. Well, I've done the, like, sitting um, on the point, on a rock on a point. That juts quite far out into a lake sort of thing. And there's nothing yeah, but, on either side. And but doing you're not the doing little, yoga. No, I'm doing like a little meditation thing or yeah. something like that, right? Yeah, my yoga would be like throwing my back out or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm, I'm throwing a, I did that. Is that a yes or a no for you? I would, okay, so I haven't done the yoga thing, but I do, you know, I do sit out there and sort of, I wouldn't call it meditating. I call it just sitting there and emptying my brain and uh, sitting on a rock and staring at a sunset or, you know, just kind of staring into the water or just like, oh, so it's, uh, but I wouldn't yeah, call it we'll meditation. Give you, we'll give I you. I wouldn't call it meditation. Eh, it's your style of meditation. Yeah. We'll, like give, a, you, we'll give you that think, one. I think like on a solo trip, if I was to go and do this, like which I have done in the past, I just, I'd like bring some carving tools or something and, and, uh, I just go out there and carve something or, mm-hmm. and I have, I have tried to learn the harmonica on a couple of trips, just gone out there by myself and, and spent like three or four days trying to figure out how to play a harmonica. But when Sasquatch comes out of the bush, grabs your harmonica and chucks it into the lake, <laughs> then flips you off. <laughs> Of that noise. (laughs) That'll be enough of that, buddy. (laughs) Can you believe some people coming out here? (laughs) Uh, uh, Number eight, whitewater adventures. Have you ever done those, Burt Reynolds? (laughs) I might have. I might have. Yeah. I don't know if we'll do that this year. Like yeah. we've already, we've kind of batted it back and forth a little bit. I'd like, I've mentioned it to Mike and it's really up in the air. What's going to happen this fall. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so it, it, as far as, uh, as far as whatever guidelines, it's really depends on the outfitter that gets us to a headwater or a train that gets us up to a lake or I don't know, like we're, we have to, we have to figure this out just because it's, it's not even to the point where we th- are discussing it right now because it's, um, it's so unknown what's going to happen in the fall. Yeah, but you usually go in October, right? Or end of yes. September. Yes, September usually. Yeah. Now you got plenty of time. If you oh, can't plenty of time whip, to plan. Yeah, if you guys can't whip all that together. No, no, with like it's not. Month it's and not half, the time. It's not the time to plan it. It's it's being able to actually get out and do it. If parks are closed, you can't do it. Oh, they'll be open by then. <laughs> They're talking about a second wave in the fall, buddy. Yeah, well, you won't be here for happen. it. It'll happen while you're in there. Trust me. Exactly. I know this stuff. I give you my guarantee. <laughs> but yeah, if we can figure it out, we're gonna we're definitely gonna do it, yeah. and uh, we'll we'll probably stick closer to home. Or I I would keep thinking of one of these uh, these Quebec rivers and stuff. But uh, I don't. It really depends on what's what the world is like in the fall. Yeah. So Whitewater Adventure, the, for those that don't know, the Burt Reynolds, what was it, the annual? Burt, yeah, the annual Burt Reynolds Memorial River Run. Right. So the very first time the group of us got together on a big whitewater trip, Burt Reynolds had died just a week and a half before we left. So we uh, named it after him, and now we try and go every single year and do a honorary uh, Burt Reynolds uh, Memorial River Run. Yeah, and it's whitewater. So, so yeah, yes. you, you're definitely on that one. I've done whitewater a couple of times. I wouldn't say they were, well, they they were definitely an adventure. They weren't, (laughs) they weren't, um, planned. 
<laughs> so does that count as an adventure or not? Well, the one I went down backwards. Yes, but on that river, there wasn't much white water, was there? Not on the rest of it, but that was a white water section. Yes. <laughs> does that count? <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> that was my white water adventure. Uh, and then when we did the Brent run, Mikey said, oh, let's just check out this little rapids. Oh, yeah. And next thing you know, we're going down the rapid. <laughs> and I yelled at him afterwards. You said, we were looking. You didn't say we were going, but we went. Because, you know. <laughs> what are you doing to me? Yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah, okay. I've been on whitewater adventures. Yeah. They weren't too adventurous. <laughs> Number nine, paddle with purpose, races and festivals. I'll put us both down for yeses on that. Not yes. everyone goes canoeing, kayaking, and paddle boarding to escape the clock. Sometimes they try to beat it. Yes. I've done the Brent Run. You've done the Meanest Link. Yeah, I've done the Meanest Link. Oh, and yeah. I've done, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's in Peterborough. It's, uh, so it's a paddle, run, and bicycle. It's a, like Triathlon? A, but it's not like that. So it's mountain biking through muddy trails, mm-hmm. running through muddy trails, and canoeing through uh, muddy trails. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we call that portaging, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I did the videos link. We did. Uh, it's races are fun. Yeah. And I've also uh, for a short time I was uh, with a club with uh, for uh, uh, dragon boat racing, but uh, I just didn't yeah. like it. It just it was it was. Too much, and I was too out of shape at the time, so it was either going to kill me or... <laughs> or they were going to chuck you out anyway. Exactly. You yeah. can't fire me, I quit. <laughs> uh, and fest- races and festivals, the Tomogamy Canoe Festival, which unfortunately they've just announced this week, is canceled this year. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, unfortunately there's, there's a lot of comp- a lot of festivals and stuff, are can- even the CNE. In Toronto here. Oh, did they cancel it? Yeah, that came out this week as well. It's only the second time it's been canceled in 124 years. One was wartime, I'm sure. Uh, No, I think it was before that, just before that. Really? Yeah, because that's what I thought. And then somebody said that the the dates, and it wasn't during the war. I'm pretty sure somebody, yeah, it was just before World War II. I'm sure that's what they said. Anyway, I got to check that again. But yeah, only the second time in 124 years it's been canceled, but... Uh, yeah, so the Tomogamy Canoe Festival. So yeah, I'm putting number nine. We've both done that. Yep, absolutely. Number 10 is the one that I'm thinking, you know what? I'm probably never going to do this one. Uh, cool lodgings, comfortably wild, glamping to the extreme, paddling during the day, then back to camp in the evening, yurts with big comfy beds, and some places even prepare meals for you. I've thought about doing this. I've looked actually. Uh, I would would have been around 2005. I had been looking. I was running and getting ready to do the Toronto Marathon, and I was I discovered something like this. So it was. Uh, I can't remember what they call it, but it's up near uh, Moosey Moose Factory, and it's a marathon, and they house you in yurts, and uh, so it's. Uh, I can't, was it, it's in the middle of winter though, right? It's like a, it's like a winter marathon something. Yeah. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to Google that right now. Yeah. So I'm not talking out my butt, but yeah. So I looked into that. It was, uh, it, it's not something I would normally do glamping, but, uh, 
but an extreme glamping thing that'd be neat and if have you ever seen the uh in uh uh new zealand there new zealand i think norway does it too they have these uh glass geodesic domes and you're out in this middle of a snowy field and and so you're under glass and you have this luxury geodesic dome for like a bedroom for two and it's like oh that's that's kind of cool so glamping to a certain level i would do i like a special occasion thing but i wouldn't just normally go glamping yeah no that's not really up my alley all that sort of pampering prissy yeah but but <laughs> priss but if, it, if it's a means to an end though like the marathon thing yeah but this is this is paddling not a marathon. You're paddling all oh, day. You're paddling yes. around the lake and doing some exploring. And then you come back in the evening and everything's catered. Like a butler, a maid. Let me turn down the, the bed for you, sir. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> would you like a cup of tea? Yeah, no, that's just not me. When we, uh, when we like, did the sounds like a, a honeymoon thing. Yes, definitely would be. Absolutely, 100%. But uh, we did stay in a uh, a canvas tent when we did the Minus Link when we ended when we were at Camp Pathfinder. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we stopped in and they put us up in one of their canvas sided tents and it was that was sort of like glamping. We had showers and everything. <laughs> Bunch of princesses. <laughs> we didn't actually shower though. We didn't. Uh, oh, you tell you that now. You well, lie. The one shower they have is on the side of a building on the shore so it's like what do you mean so it's well they don't nobody showers there maybe the cook staff do and that's it but the the campers aren't don't have showers they just jump in the lake yes exactly it's called a bath <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah this this is uh, probably something unless yeah like i say it's a special occasion like you say is uh then maybe i'd do that one but that would yeah. be on my my bucket list to do Mm -hmm. Um, so that's eight out of 10 for me, seven out of 10 for you. So we're almost there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now my question, what would you ask? I've got a couple things here. What would you add to the bucket list that if you, people are going Northern Ontario into the back country, my, I have two of them, a two week canoe trip. So an extended canoe trip beyond the regular oh, weekend yeah. or, or long and a long distance canoe trip. Those would be my two things you should add to a bucket list. So I did a long distance one. The meanest length that was four hundred and twenty kilometers. Mm -hmm. It's uh, and so we were. It was both a race. It was a timed event, sort of like you're trying to beat people's record. But uh, the, that, that's definitely something that I think is worthwhile. Yeah. And so a longer trip. I've done a few longer trips, and I find it's. Um, it's hard to appreciate a long trip unless you've actually done one. And so if you're, if, and you, I know you've done multiple long trips. It's like once you get past the first week, it's, uh, things, it just kind of changes the trip. There, it has a different dynamic. You look at it differently because on a normal trip, you're rushing into the start of it to, you know, pack up and get out on the water. And first couple of days, you're trying to figure out the, the best way to, 
pack this piece of gear or that piece of gear and the kids gear and whatever it's you're trying you know you're figuring out who's going to be doing what kitchen duties and and then by the time you get to like you know day four or five it's like you're thinking the, the end of the trip is just a day or two away so you don't really get into that central part of the trip there's about four four or five days on a two-week trip where you are you, you you've nailed down the the timings of you who's getting up doing what and who's making water and who's cooking and who's prepping this and who's loading the canoes and all that is behind you and you're still a long ways away from thinking about loading up the car so suddenly you're you are truly enjoying the trip all of that extra stuff falls away you're not thinking about schedules you're not thinking about work you're not thinking you know you're you're all that stuff just kind of goes away and and you are head into the trip it's just you're you're just enjoying the paddle strokes and you're enjoying enjoying the long days of traversing between campsites and it's uh you're in the moment yeah, you are in the moment. It's it's something that uh, it's really hard to perceive and understand until you've actually done it. And even people, if people listening to us, if you haven't done it and you're saying, "Oh, well, that sounds interesting," well, you know what? It, it, you got to get out and do it to actually kind of get an appreciation of the facts around doing an extended trip. And it's it's sort of like the thing, like. A, I've only ever flown south once, but I always thought, yeah, it's kind of a waste of time just to fly down for a couple of days down south and mm-hmm. whatever. And then you hear about people going, oh, yeah, we uh, we went on a uh, 14 or 18-day uh, trip to Mexico. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in the middle where you can actually go and plan, you know, like get out paddling on the water or get out on a hike or get out and do something different, right? Yeah. Well, it's the same thing as with a with – a, deep interior canoe trip way up north of Sudbury or something or on some really long river and it's like so you have time to kind of let your brain actually turn off and just enjoy the paddle strokes it's something that really you gotta do it to appreciate it oh yeah and to if you want to add something else to this list in the do it to appreciate or you, you don't appreciate it till you actually do it solo trip oh yes I think people should put a solo trip on their bucket list because you're going to find that you don't know what to do when you're by yourself. You don't (laughs) know what to do with yourself. You pack up all your stuff after breakfast. You load up your canoe, you paddle all day. You see a few things, you get to camp, you set up camp, you make your dinner, you're done dinner, do all, put everything away. You sitting around the, the, the fire. And that's when people go, now what? (laughs) <laughs> because they're usually sitting there with yeah. somebody chit-chatting or, yes. you know, joking around or whatever, but now you're by yourself or, you know, and that's where definitely, that's what every, the one thing I tell everybody, bring a book, bring a good book, <laughs> bring a long book. <laughs> but there's <laughs> also, an, you know, there's also another advantage of solar trips that I, it's something that I appreciate. Like on any given day, if you're, if you're, on a portage, you're you're hiking a trail, you're you're paddling a long reach of a lake, and so you know nine times out of ten or nineteen times out of twenty, whatever you're you see, oh that looks like an interesting bay, but I don't you know you're not going to ask your paddle partner, hey can we go down there, and you know if you're with a grumpy person or if you're if somebody says no we got to keep to a schedule, it's like damn, so it's like you say to yourself that side trail off this portage, I wonder where it goes. Yeah. So on a solo trip, 
I would take that side trail, drop everything. I wonder where this goes. Wonder what that, what's down there. Wonder what's down this long reach, or what's in that bay, or what, what's the, what's the ground cover de- down there at the end of the bay. And uh, I'm gonna go. I would do it. It's like you know what? I'm by myself. If I have to set up the tent at nine o'clock at night. I'm on my own. I don't care. I'm not. I'm not beholden to anybody. I'm on my own. I don't have to ask anybody permission, and all of the camp duties are mine. I don't have to wait or expect somebody else to do something for me. It's. It's. I really appreciate solo trips. It's. Um. I. I, I sound like a grumpy old codger, but. <laughs> <laughs> but, but see, it's, if, uh, if I'm paddling and I see something, I said, you know what? That looks a pretty cool bay, like you say. Mm-hmm. We're going. Yeah. But like, if you're, if, if you're no, with if, a group, it's hard to get the whole group to agree on, eh. hey, guys, I'll catch up with you in two or three hours well, or something. Well, that's right? exactly what I do. I said, you know what? There's something over there I want to check out. So you mm-hmm. guys keep on going or you come come along. Yeah. And I've had them go and meet me at the next portage. Because everybody will just sit there. They'll get their stuff across and they'll wait for you sort of deal and yeah. take yeah. a break. And they're going, well, he's just going to be tired when he gets here because we're leaving the minute he shows up. <laughs> Which, whatever, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then I've had other people going, oh, that does look cool. And off we go sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I, I see what you're talking about. You, you Everything is, is up to you. So yes. you can change your plans as you go sort of thing. And if you yeah. see something cool, then you're going to go check it out. If you think, you know what, I want to spend some more time fishing than again. If you had plans that today you were going to go to check, go explore this river or something like that, and it's a crappy day and you windy, then you can change your plans. You're not having to run it by 10 yeah. people. Exactly. You don't have to, you don't have to have a debate exactly. about, uh, you know, laying over somebody in case of bad weather or, or maybe you say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to move ahead. And it's uh, like the, on this river or in this area, there's no reserve campsite. So it doesn't matter where I stay just as long as it's an empty campsite type thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So it, it's one of those great things about being solo that just, just, you just kind of veg and you're on your own and, and you, you're not beholden to any schedule and oh, I love it. Yeah, so, Love it. so three things to add to these 10 uh, bucket list items. A long extended canoe trip, a long distance trip, and a solo trip. <laughs> and I think the, the, I think people have the most problems with the solo trip. Some people are... Some people are pretty tentative of doing something because there's no safety net. Mm-hmm. If you trip and fall, what if I trip and sprain an ankle? Then nobody's going to help me out. Or if I break a leg, then I'm screwed. And well, <laughs> when you're on a solo trip, you—I know for me, when I'm on solo trips, I'm—I'm I'm a lot more cautious about my normal movements on a portage or yeah. my normal movements around camp and stuff like that. I'm a bit more. You know, I, I think ahead a bit about what I'm doing before I get myself into trouble. Yeah. And that I mean, would, you know what, if you're on a canoe trip with me and you break your leg, I ain't hauling your carcass out. So you're screwed either way. <laughs> I'm going to put a rock cairn over your body and I'll yeah. set, I'll take map coordinates and somebody will come get you later. <laughs> yeah. It's carcass. That's where it is right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> Exactly. It's the last time I go canoe <laughs> tripping with Sean. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be a solo trip, but it ended up being one. Yeah. How was the trip? Well, solo for about half of it. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to your partner? Well, I imagine because he couldn't run, the bear got him. <laughs> <laughs> and you run back to check. Yeah. I only had to outrun one other guy, and he wasn't at the end of the portage when I got there. <laughs> <laughs> so be it. 
It was a fantastic trip after yeah. that. Yeah, got a lot quieter. <laughs> yes, yeah, so quiet. Peaceful. <laughs> it was such a peaceful trip. <laughs> uh, so those are the bucket list items you got to be doing. This um, is a good list. Yeah. You know what? It is a good list. Like I say, go to northernontario.travel. Uh, and check out their bucket list that they got. And th- there's a, there's links for different places and different businesses um, for for half these things as well that you can check out. So if you're looking at doing canoe and hiking or you're looking at the fly-in canoe adventures and that, they give some uh, different uh, things to to check out. So so do it. Um, and I think that's all I've got this week, man. Anything for you got? No, I've got nothing really. It's uh, I am at work tonight, and uh, well, yeah, you're you're. Uh, Nuclear physicizing again. <laughs> Something like that, yes. <laughs> Doing the old Homer Simpson. Yeah, it is exciting times. We're getting the unit back online this night after, tonight after uh, three years offline refurbishment. So it's uh, exciting times. Exciting times, yep. yeah. You heard it here first. Derek's sitting there tonight and he's getting his unit up and running. <laughs> Alrighty, so... <laughs> Um, you're not on the same shift next week, are you? If once the unit goes back onto the grid, these shifts end. Alrighty, so we'll actually be recording be f- from your house next week. Recording from my house with a beer in hand. And hopefully we'll have John Van Berger on next week and he'll be able to yes. let us know yes. the uh, how things are going from his perspective on the opening of things. And mm-hmm. if it's going as, as, as I expect it's going to go. Yes. So. That'll be cool. Yeah. Um, that's about it. So if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can listen to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. You can go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and listen to all 223 podcasts right there. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with everybody you know and share it with everybody you don't know. <laughs> share it. Come on, people. Come on. How do you share it with people you don't know? <laughs> I don't know. Just find somebody. Hey, I don't know you. Yeah. If I can if I can get duct cleaners calling me, they don't know me. And real there estate people calling me. I even had some lady apparently calling me from her church today to to uh, give me hope. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's we're just calling, kind of her. We're just calling people in your area in these difficult times to give you hope. Why don't you give me cash, lady? <laughs> Keep your hope. Give me yeah. bucks. <laughs> uh, anyway, I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs>